I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to AfterBuzz TV's after show for Penny Dreadful City of Angels. I am your host, Cody Epperson, and I am not alone. I have two amazing co-hosts with me. First of all, the brilliant Tori Weaver. Hey, everyone. I'm definitely excited to get into this episode because there was a lot going on. And if you didn't know what was going on before, you definitely know what's going on now. Absolutely. And of course, we also have our very insightful panelist, Adam Carr. Hey, what's going on, guys? This was an incredible episode. Um... If you were like me, I saw some like some scary images and some things pop up that I was like, oh, wow, that's they're doing that. OK, uh, so I'm really excited to talk about this episode. This show, seriously, it, it's so it's so incredibly good. I, I, I am so pleasantly and wonderfully surprised that it is just it's really it, this show is incredible. So happy to be here. Thanks. Yeah, it's a good show. Like, I remember at the beginning of this, the first few episodes, we were all like, oh, I don't know about this, but I'm super stoked to be on this panel. I know this episode today, what's it called? Uh, Josephina and the Holy Spirit, or Josephina and the Holy Spirit. Um, it, I personally was very emotional. Like, when we, I finished the episode, I had to take, like, a good 30 minutes to kind of, like, decompress from it. Um, but, yeah, guys, like, uh, Tori, what were your overall thoughts on this episode? I feel like this definitely hit the ground running. And I know that we were talking about the, um, one of these days I'm going to learn her name, the goddess of less death, but the one that's in the white. Yeah, we don't know I know her name. Kind of like figure out, you know, when she was going to come back or just kind of like the role that she plays in this because we're seeing a lot of her, um, I guess, like counterpart, sister, whatever. Um, that's played by Natalie Dormer. We see a lot of her in every episode. So I was just kind of wondering when she was going to come back. And then she came back. And after five seconds of her being there, people started dying. And I was like, oh, sis, wait, you can go back to where you were. Because that's not what we asked for. So that was that was actually really sad. Um, I don't know why I thought that, like, her eye contact with the daughter, I mean, with the young girl was going to, like, mean something. Because it didn't mean anything. So that was just kind of, like, ripping my heart out. But just the episode in a whole I definitely think that my prediction of like Natalie Dormer's character just staring the pot in every corner that she's in like every corner that she's disguised in I definitely think that happened in this episode and I really do think that this episode allowed a lot of the plots to come together because I know a lot of us um I'm sure not just on this panel but people viewing were kind of like what's really going on like what's the plot here but I think this one brought a lot of clarity and kind of brought everything full circle and now you can kind of see how everything connects a little bit better that was just my opinion I think it gave a lot of clarity and now I'm like okay this is exactly what's going on and this is where we're headed oh yeah and especially with the the angel of blessed death like we got a glimpse of her for a second and um like you said with the with the little girl it seemed like she was there's something there and then I think when at the end of that scene she walks off with her and mm -hmm. we, we'll talk about it later but I, there may be a callback to that uh, but Adam, uh, what were your overall thoughts? Yeah, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, Santa Muerte, great. You're like, oh, wait, that means people are going to die. So every time oh, she okay, shows up, more. just like in the initial uh, pilot, you know, she's walking mm -hmm. the fields. And at first you think it's something beautiful and cool. And you're like, oh, no, she only shows up when death's about to happen. So she's kind of like that angel of death character in uh, American Horror Story where, like, if she shows up, it's because she's going to take someone with her. And I thought she was she was escorting that child 
that little girl, she was making sure that she got to heaven. I feel like that was her mm. uh, connection to that of just making like, I'll, I'll at least protect the innocent children or make sure that they get to somewhere good because they shouldn't have been here. Um, but that fact of, it's such an interesting character because she's not bound by earth's laws or rules or physics. So if you're an immortal goddess, just kind of walking around, you're not really bothered by the everyday stuff that people are because we're, you know, we're, we're busy. We're, we're micromanaging our days and she's just kind of around, uh, you know, taking people to the next place. Um, but yeah, Tori, like what you were saying, there's a lot in this episode, you know, we have a police molestation, we have a Nazi power bottom and we have a cop slang. There's a lot of stuff going on in this episode. So it, uh, it starts immediately with a death and unfortunately the death of a child, which is always especially hard to watch, but um, goes from there to, uh, I have the next one is um, Tiago stops a kid from getting beat up who we see uh, eventually down the line talking to his little brother Mateo when they go after Officer Riley. But um, you see our uh, Officer Riley, you know, just beating a kid, um, trying to get a confession or trying to get someone. Uh, Cody, what do you think? Uh, Officer Riley, you're just kind of like, he, he's got to eventually go. Like this guy's just a bad apple. Well, Officer Riley has been, he's, this is one of those things where, like, for me, like, I I hate Officer Riley. He's obviously a nightmare. He's a terrible person. He's racist. He's sexist. He's just, he's just all out horrible. And, I mean, we see in this episode, he, we'll get to that point, he's, he is taken out. But I do, I, I should have looked up his name. We, I commemorate actors and actresses who can, portray characters like this that you just hate so much because it really shows their skill and I don't I don't want to give this like horrible racist character like props but I commend the actor because it's like I wanted him gone so bad that that means that they're doing a good job so totally you know what's funny is I actually met the actor and I'm so sorry I'm blanking on his name right now but he did the show uh wait until dark at the Geffen Playhouse where I bartend and he Mm -hmm. played a cop a dirty cop in it coincidentally (laughs) and he's such a nice sweetheart guy like he's one of the nicest people and so to see him like consistently just be someone here like oh great like what terrible horrible thing are you going to perpetuate like this is why people when they have terrible cop stories he's the one that they think of just abuse of power he's just he's hurting people you're just like he doesn't even want to protect and serve he's kind of just going out there on his own vendetta Tori what do you think yeah I definitely agree and like you guys there's literally actors that I just can't even see outside of their characters because they played them so well that I'm just kind of like every time I see them like I really think about their character and it just rubs me the wrong way or it scares me like when I was a kid some actors definitely scared me and I was like I don't ever want to meet them in my life but um yeah he's definitely one of those characters it's like I want you to have a job but at the same time I really want your character to go and he just and like he's definitely a character because I think in a lot of these you kind of see uh where the character is coming from even if they're not like the best character his character no like there's no none of this is warranted like you don't see where he's coming from you just want him to go like we don't even get an insight for why he's this messed up in the head so I'm just kind of like yes just please get him to go but at the same time it does add to like the dynamic you know you need a good balance but I'll be fine if you leave yeah there is no good without the evil and he, um, I mean, and it's so fun. It just like, I'm like, I haven't acted in a whole lot recently, but like, mm-hmm. 
in I would like if this was presented to me as a as a performer like oh this is this character I'm like no like I don't even want to portray that because I don't want to be seen in that light but um that's yeah it was just he it's it was just crazy that's really all I can say but um yeah but uh, but going off of him for a second, one thing I did want to talk, or one of the things we're going to talk about that I thought was very interesting was just, um, so Dr. Kraft, um, I don't remember his first name, but he has his son's birthday party at his house. Mm-hmm. And what our good girl Magda, oh, so not Magda, Elsa shows up at the party with her son, who's so creepy, creepy, creepy. But that, is the yeah. that kid's got Ryan Murphy written all over him for some creepy omen <laughs> remake. That kid is just creepy. He's good. He's a great actor. He's amazing. But ah, he always smiles, like kind of wormy little. <laughs> His eyes are just glazed over. He's sick. He's sick. Yeah, and so. We're there, and we see that Dr. Kraft, he, I mean, we knew he was a Nazi. Now at his child's birthday party, they're talking about Nazi things. And Elsa comes in, and they sing this nice little beer hall song. But what really stood out to me, and this is something I think we've been curious about on this panel for a long time, is his wife. She's mm-hmm. kind of off to the side. She's just drinking her whiskey sours. And finally, Elsa, who I think was trying to be friendly, even though she's low-key having an affair with the, the woman's husband she's like oh where's the powder room and she's like oh yo like before you go to the powder room before you start measuring the curtains to see when you move in you should ask him about his family and he says where oh where do i have it he says at, she says ask about hessen his family and so i just want to know if what you guys thought of this whole interaction with the wife and because she's such a mystery so uh, tori mm-hmm. how did you feel about all that well, first, like, a part of me thought that um, Elsa was, like, trying to be funny and just kind of, like, stirred the party even more. But then I realized that Elsa, as soon as she came to the party, she wasn't introduced to the wife, so she probably doesn't know that that is the wife. Um, I know that she knows of the wife, but I've never seen them interact before then, so I think that she genuinely didn't know in that moment, even though I'm, I don't know how much she does or doesn't know, because she is, like, you know, a goddess in the first place, so yeah. she probably did know. But I think her character didn't know. And so that was interesting. But like you said, the wife is just such a mystery. And I was kind of surprised that the wife was so assertive in a sense, because it just seemed like, you know, I don't know. They kind of painted it to where she was like submissive or just kind of like more laid back, you know, plays the back type of thing. So to see her go in and say like, I know what you're up to. This is what it is. This is what it isn't. And before you start trying to move in, like this is what you need to do. That was, that kind of caught me off guard because I knew that you probably knew that the uh, that Elsa was sneaking around with her husband because I mean it was just obvious that's the party but I just I just really wasn't expecting that like that energy to be honest but I was here for it right like Dr. Kraft was not subtle like literally she shows up in the backyard and he stops everything he's doing to go talk to her he like tries to like she's she's flirting with his friend whose mm-hmm. name was Harold Ekman and he's obviously like just so blatantly like not okay with it, and um, just the whole situation. Uh, Adam, how did you feel about this party and just uh, and with and their interaction and what's going on with all that? Uh, I thought the party was very interesting because that German guy who's his friend, he was like a uh, you know Billy Zane German type. He was very interesting, and then of course Dr. Kraft's wife. 
who I think we talked about this before is Piper Parabo, who totally at first looks mm -hmm. unrecognizable with the darker hair. But it was funny because when we were watching the pilot, I remember I, I pointed to my fiance and I was like, oh my God, that's Piper Parabo. And she's like, no, it's not her. She doesn't look like her. And I'm like, no, I, I think that might be her. But I was like, it's funny that she's in like just a smaller role because she barely said some stuff. I'm like, that's gotta be her, right? But it totally is. Um, yeah, so I hope she's utilized more later on. And then you knew Dr. Kraft and Elsa, they had that whole sex dream from the other day. So they were finally gonna consummate this with something real. So it was an upstairs, you know, birthday shtup, which was, um, you know, kind of interesting. Um, yeah, and that guy's just having sex with like a, a demon. Like, I don't know, it's so weird. Like, how is that real? But yeah, it was very interesting. I think his his dreams and realities, whatever they are, finally came true. And every time you start to feel bad for him, you're like, oh, this poor guy is trying to help this woman. He doesn't know. But then you're like, oh, he's a freaking Nazi. I don't feel bad for this guy. And he's married. And he's, he's married. already married. So yeah. it's like, no, you're still a piece of crap. Yeah, right? Like he he's obviously he's obviously a very icky man. But it, it's just so, I'm just very fast. I wish we got a little more from the wife. I'm so fascinated with her because obviously she's aware of the situation she's in, but I feel like she's like, what she lets happen is the less of, lesser of two evils. So I'm very interested to see how, I, I mean, this, sorry, I always, I feel like I get too into predictions. Maybe I should just make a whole, I should have a whole panel just on predicting everything. But <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to, um, to detective uh, i can never remember his name um lane's tiago, detective vega vega thank you he uh, no, no 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 not tiago um just kidding nathan lane's character oh lewis lewis is not a hard name i can never remember it um so he goes on this whole he's been taking time off from work he's trying to kind of get to the bottom of this other thing that's not even the well, sorry, I'm, now I'm having a random thought, a little pin, of the whole, like, the first episode, we have all these murders in the L.A. River that have not been solved yet, by the way. We're still getting glimpses of it, but it's not really a focal point of the show, or a main focal point. They bring it up. Anyway, Detective Lewis is going, he's now, he's at his friend's burial sites with the one gal he knows, and he meets up with Benny Berman. Tell me, you can correct me if, I'm, if I got his name wrong. But um, it's like the basically the the Jewish mob, and um, he he's this gangster, and he comes in and he helps him out. And so like, and I don't, I mean, we can, I don't want to go scene by scene, but let's just generalize. I don't want to generalize either, but mm -hmm. just go into the whole scenario with what he's getting himself into. We meet him at the cemetery, and then he's like, there's back and forth of no, yes, no, and then it gets a little darker when they bring in a. Um, they, I keep writing, I'm writing everyone's names down, but there's a lot of names in this show. It's a lot easier to remember by like face. Oh, sorry, please, sorry, what were you saying? No, I was saying it's a lot easier to remember people by face, like, you know, exactly mm -hmm. their whole backstory when you see them on the screen. It took me forever to learn the names of Game of Thrones, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. It's like, like my second or third watch to be like, oh, that's <laughs> right, not the same person right. as that guy. <laughs> exactly. But, um, Adam, what was your whole, what did you get out of this whole thing with, um... With Berman? Detective Berman Lewis is, and just Lewis, what he's yeah. kind of getting involved with. So that was great. So Berman is part of uh, Murder Incorporated or Murder Inc. It was like the Jewish mafia uh, that was out here run by, uh, they mentioned Meyer Lansky. 
um, who was one of the big Jewish gangsters of the time. Yeah, him with like Lucky Luciano, um, all those big guys in like the 20s and 30s. I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm a little rusty on this history, but I think Meyer Lansky was the one who helped fix the World Series. He made it so that the Yankees threw the World Series, like he did that in 1927. I got to look this up and make sure I, I could have just spoken a bunch of gibberish right now. So forgive my oh. ignorance, but uh, if Berman represents Lansky, then that means he's like one of the top people, of course, played by the affable uh, Brad Garrett from oh, yeah. Raymond. Very cool to see him. You always forget just how giant that man is until he stands next to yeah. like, you know, 5'10". Like, you know, Jesus, he's huge. <laughs> Um, very cool to see him. Uh, obviously, he's got, you know, um, he's being asked to help out and uh, they kind of give you a little history. I, I love how um, much history and historical context this show gets to tell you, not only about how Los Angeles was formed, but the fact that they say, you know, New York, the mayor, the current mayor was LaGuardia, obviously, you know, named the airport, a lot of stuff named after him. But because LaGuardia was half Jewish, he didn't allow German gangsters in. So none of the Nazis wanted to go to New York. They all wanted to go to the West Coast where they would have much more ample opportunity. They think that they're going to win the war. They think that they're gonna be, you know, parading tanks down Sunset and Wilshire Boulevards. Um, so it's, it's interesting because Berman played by Brad Garrett, he's talking about how like no one embraced him. He's not allowed to join any of the temples. He's not allowed to join with any of the other people because he's quote unquote, a gangster. So they all don't want to help each other. And again, mm -hmm. it also kind of feels very, there's a lot of historical significance right now to people with nationalism, to people saying, let's just stay on our own side. Let's take care of us. Let other people take care of their own kind or whatever you want to say. But again, the more divided you are, the less involved you are with helping each other. If you're weaker, if you're smaller, you always get divided up and your enemies take you out faster. Tori, what do you think? I'm babbling. No, I definitely agree. Um, I think one thing that this show definitely does is highlight everyone's differences. In almost every episode, you're hearing somebody self-identify themselves as something that um, differentiates them from somebody else. And so, like you said, I definitely think it's kind of focusing on everything that divides them apart. And it's like, okay, all right. Um, with this dynamic, I definitely want to like keep a close eye because like this is the first time we've been introduced. So I was kind of like, I didn't know too much about what was going on with them but I definitely want to see like where this relationship goes and as you say it like it definitely makes me pay attention to the history more because like I know about you know the fixing of the game and stuff like that but I wasn't paying attention to the names and I do like how they incorporate that history and it definitely kind of like makes you you know like raise the eyebrow or just kind of like tune in a little bit more and now I'm even more intrigued to how this dynamic is going to play out oh absolutely it's like, I want to, it's like, and going off of that, it's like, I want to know how everything is going to play out because it's like, there's such, it's like, I think it's such a very intricately woven tapestry, the plot of this oh, yeah. show. It's like, every little thing, it's just, there is, there's a connection between so many things. And um, I mean, and it all comes down to our, our girl, Natalie, um, and she's, she's doing something. And um, mm -hmm. so, and I, I don't want to talk about it, but I think it needs to be mentioned is just the whole, I mean, the episode is called Josefina and the Holy Spirit. So Josefina, Josefina, however your inflection, wherever your inflection lies, she, her and her brother Mateo are walking down the street, they have groceries, and they're just having a simple conversation. Officer Riley shows up and just really, really at that point ruins everyone's day. Like, I'm like, I'm I'm gonna be straight up like I was in I was a mess after this scene. I was crying. So mm -hmm. 
um, Adam, how did you feel about? I mean, not how did you feel, but like, what your what was your takeaway from that? Because it was it was hard to watch. It was very. You know, it's funny. It reminded me of how uncomfortable I felt watching uh, the Matt Dillon scene with uh, in Crash when he stops the car. Terrence Howard and God, I'm blanking on her name. I feel like a dick. Uh, but do you remember? Pardon? Zoe Saldana. No, not Zoe Saldana. It's, um, she was in, um, Blanken. I'll look it up. I'll find it. It's not Zoe Saldana. It's someone, uh, she's starting Crash, but she plays Terrence Howard's wife, Terrence Howard's mm-hmm. wife, and they get pulled over by Matt Dillon. And Matt Dillon frisks her and basically does to her what Riley does to the sister. Um, and it's a very disturbing scene because Terrence Howard can't do anything. He just has to watch. And it's so utterly disgusting there's nothing it's like again you're like wow well um you're absolutely just garbage um and like you said it just it makes you feel like you just want to take a shower after you watch this because now you're like well no wonder they hate any white person in power like I would too because like the Mm -hmm. thing that you're seeing with a lot of this is like all the bad guys are white like that seems to be the common theme um, as you go back. So, uh, yeah, Tori, what, what do you think? Yeah, I I don't think I'll ever become comfortable seeing it. Like it literally feels like my stomach is like coming outside of my body and my lower half of my body is like completely tense. Um, if I'm being quite honest, like I don't want to be like vulgar, like super graphic, but it's just what and it's I watched you know I've seen a lot of series I've seen I mean I said I watched Game of Thrones for crying out loud so you know I've seen it all but um scenes like that just always make me feel so uncomfortable and it's so crazy because I can watch someone be beheaded but I can't watch that and it was the same I it was it was just something where I was watching it because I wanted to see what happened next but I was also like low-key turning my head like I was watching it like this like I didn't want to see but I wanted to see you know what I mean and it was just it was unfortunate. And also the thing that really stuck out to me the most was um, how she said, you can't tell mom right after. And, you know, a lot, I feel like a lot of people watching would say like, oh, like the first thing you go do is run, tell, run and tell your parents. You know what I mean? Like you go and get help. But this is a very unique situation. One, because that's not always the way that women, that not just women, that anyone copes with sexual assault. And I think everyone is always kind of like, why didn't you say anything? And I mean, some things you need, you want to deal with on your own, number one. Number two, this is a cop for crying out loud. So it's like, you go tell your mom and then your mom go tells who to fix it. You know what I mean? Like when something like that happens from somebody who's in position, from the person who's supposed to protect you, who, nope, there's nothing to really be done to get justice unless you like do something that's illegal or could possibly get you killed, which we see ends up happening. But there's no way to really go when something like that happens. And so it was just, it just kind of stuck out and kind of spoke to the nature of the situation to the fact that she didn't want to tell anyone. Yeah, it was just. By the way, oh, sorry. Please, go. No, go. Sorry, I, just, I, I feel bad. It's Sandy Newton, who's the uh, actress oh, who started yes. Crash. She also started Mission Impossible 2. I just felt really bad because it was a scene about her suffering and I just named the two guys that were in the scene and not the actual <laughs> woman who was suffering. So it's Sandy Newton. Just want to make sure, uh, yeah, she was incredible. No, thank you for that. And, um, but yeah, it's just, the scene was just, 
like I said, I mean, not to like, oh, like my, I'm not being professional by breaking my emotions. I was in tears, like, and for her brother to be there and not, and helpless and like to see it all happening. And like you said, sorry for him. She like, don't tell mom, don't tell anybody. It's just so tragic because that, I mean, that still happens to this day. And um, it, it just broke my heart watching all that go down. But then she, and then she even tries to tell, I, it seems like she tries to tell her mom for a moment after they get into the whole fight because mm -hmm. um, Mateo, they discover Mateo has become a pachuco. And then, I mean, I maybe it was just, I'm, obviously it was bad timing. And of course, both sides of the scenario won't know that it's bad timing, but Josefina tries to tell her mom and her mom's like, no, like I just found out your son's a gangster. We can't talk right now. Um, but then, and then here's another connection is she finds the church, the mall, oh, the church of singing angels or whatever they're called. Um, uh, yeah. And so, and then Josefina, she goes to Molly's, Sister Molly's church and watches her sermon. Mm -hmm. And, um, which again, after, especially after coming from this scene of sexual assault and police brutality to this scene where, because the last time we saw Molly doing a sermon, she sang this beautiful song and she put she like told this cute little story and she was all dolled up but in this one like it, the first thing i noticed was that she was very for lack of a better term she's very sweaty and it was a very passionate speech mm -hmm. and we even get a glimpse of her mom being like what's going on and she really gets the crowd involved so um what were tori what were your takeaways from that whole experience well first I don't know why I noticed this the first time, but I feel like when they first um, showed her in the church, they didn't show the audience. It was just like all the focus was on her. Or maybe I just didn't see it, but I know that mm -hmm. even the way it was um, lit, it was just like the focus point was definitely Molly. This time they showed the audience and it wasn't a lot of people there. So it started to make me like question. I mean, obviously the church has a lot of influence, but it wasn't crowded. Like, it wasn't packed in there. And that kind of, I don't know why, but it made me raise an eyebrow. And I was like, yeah. I feel like a lot of their influence is coming, obviously, more from, like, the money and business side than it is actual believers. Because it really wasn't that many people there. Like, even the, um, I guess, like, the mezzanine level, uh, like, no, the orchestra level of the church or building okay, wasn't... Yeah. It wasn't that packed. So at first I was kind of like, okay, what's going on here? Like, is this her, what is going on? It just felt too empty for them to have this much power. But like you said, it was very, um, it was a lot more passionate than the first time. And I def and I think that's why I was like, wait a minute, this is definitely shifting dynamics. Like at first, when we first saw her, she, like you said, she's dolled up. She's almost, she's lit heavenly. Like, like it's as if she <laughs> touched down from heaven herself. And then just kind of like the way that it's designed, you think that the audience is like super packed. And this one was a very raw take. Like, I don't even think the stage was that lit. We were able to see her mom in the wing. We saw the audience. And that was definitely like a good, I guess, contrast from the first time. And I don't know what like that symbolizes. I don't know where I'm going with this, but it was definitely something that I noticed. And just seeing the sister being in that audience and drawn in. Um, I kind of felt good for the sister. I mean, I don't know if this is going to be a positive experience for her, but it made me feel like for that first time in this episode that she kind of felt like she connected with something and that she was seen and that she, you know, just kind of felt wanted or felt a part of something. And I really hope that this kind of doesn't go down a dark path, but we don't know, especially with this type of show. But I, I felt good because it just seemed like 
even though she wasn't, even though Molly wasn't speaking to her directly, it seemed like she had someone to talk to and confide in and just kind of like feel accepted. I mean, like you said, in the previous scene, her mom didn't even have the time of day to talk to her. And she probably doesn't want to talk to her brother. She can't talk to the cops. And this is the first place she kind of finds refuge. And I love that for her. Yeah, very much true. And um, it was nice that it, I mean, we saw, she looks at the poster and discovers that church. So I was like, oh, like that's not the church to go to. But <laughs> it was good for her that she felt like she found something that was speaking to her in a moment when she needed it. So um, Adam, what were your takeaways from this whole, the, the, just the sermon, this mega church and how everybody's reactions were to everybody else? <laughs> Well, first, it was funny. I thought Molly Jean, like uh, Sister Molly, she looked like she was going through withdrawal. Like she had like the Coke sweats. I don't know what was going on, but it was like, she was like, it was either she was on something or she was feeling something. And then kind of like what Tori said before, you know, if you have a problem with a cop, especially back then, who are you going to go to? Like, what's your chain of command to try and make something better? So you have both uh, Josefina and Mateo, the younger siblings are dealing with traumatic events and they're both veering off to groups that can maybe help them or give them a way to empower themselves again and they can't do that with their own families and they can't do that with local law enforcement so they're kind of both being pushed into another group or like family that might embrace them and I think just like most cults or whatever they're going to choose to be there because they're going to go these are the only people who understand me these are the only people who seem to get what I'm going through and no one's telling me that I'm crazy and no one's telling me that I just have to take it and that's how it is so I feel like she's going to become deeply religious for a little foreshadowing she's going to she might become a nun she could become saintly she's going to go the path of like virtue and pacifism. And I feel like Mateo is going to go full on violent kill. And I mean, but if you were in his decision, like if you were in his place, would you, would you think that he's going too far? Cause if you just watch someone put their hands on your sister, or do all that and you couldn't do anything. The first thing you'd think of is I want to be in a position where I can hurt people who just prey on the weak. I like, so I, I get it, like it sucks because then they're probably gonna get the short end of the stick in the end and it's just gonna keep sucking. But um, you definitely have both characters where they feel completely out of control with their lives and they're seeking places that make them feel like they're safe again. Yeah, that's that, that's 100% valid. And it's like, you can't, unfortunately, I mean, obviously the TV show, but you, well, all we can do is put ourselves in that situation. Like, how would we have handled it? And you're absolutely right, Adam. They both are on such, they both have just experienced such extremes that it's like, who are, like, what is the right answer? And it's, it really is crazy. And that's something, and you're, that leads me into the next thing I want to talk about is just, is Mateo's involvement. He's now, he has this tattoo now. He's a pachuco. He's hanging out with Suave, Fly Rico, Suave Rico. Rico, Rico. Rico Suave, uh, is that what you were going right? Rico Suave. He's hanging out with Fly Rico. He's hanging out with Rio. And we go, we get this scene where he, they, they beat the crap out of Officer Riley and ultimately Mateo kills him. So like, what's, t- talk to me, talk to me, Adam. <laughs> that was such an amazing scene. That was one of those scenes where I'm like, oh, that's, oh, wow. And they're just like, he's, you know, cutting the throat and you're like, all right, once or twice. And he just keeps going. And like, you see Riley's face. It was, I mean, I gotta tell you, it was a, like, that was a wonderfully disgusting scene because that officer, I'm sorry, 
He had it coming for a long time. He had it coming. Uh, he had it coming. Um, but uh, yeah, the fact too at the end that they drop off his naked, beaten, dead body in front of the police station, my first thought was, oh, now the cops are just going to start killing anyone. Because once you kill a cop, I mean, in their code, that's it. And now it's just open season. Yeah. But also at the same time, they needed to send a message and just say, you can't just mess with us whenever you want, because no matter how many guns or batons, whatever you guys have, there's infinitely more of us than there are of you. And like, it's just like what Fly Rico said, there's a whole city of me. There might be 50, 100 of you, but in the end, you're not going to win. So it, it was, uh, Tori, what about you? Did you, like, what, how did you feel? Y'all, I got a little nervous. I got a little nervous. And this is why, because um, of course, like in movies, when somebody's like a trained killer, not a trained, but like, you know, professional, they've done it before type of thing. One slit is pretty much like all they need. And th but I think we can all tell, like, if we ever seen a movie where somebody has like their first kill, you realize how hard it is to slit someone's throat or take their head off. And I was nervous that because this was his first time that like, he wasn't going to necessarily win. And I think we kind of saw that um, when he was trying to slit his throat, like the first couple of times, um, Riley was actually in a way fighting back. Like he was still yeah. able to move, um, move the brother off of him. He was still able to kind of put up some resistance. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to go south. Like this is his first body and this is, you know, he got a thick neck. So I was like, this might not end well. But I was glad to see that it did. And then when they dropped off his body, I was like, Oof. This is going to, like like you said, Adam, this is definitely going to, I don't want to say start the, the war because I definitely think it's already started. Like you can see that they're just kind of doing whatever they want to each other. But this is this is definitely going to heighten it, knowing that one of the cops has now died. It's, it's going to be a free-for-all. Like I definitely think it's going to be just like do whatever you please. Um, but it was nice that Mateo got that personal revenge. Like even if something happens to him, I feel like, you know, he can move away from the situation knowing that he at least did something. Yeah, absolutely. I just think, <laughs> not to like juven juvenileize it, but I think Mateo is just like, I mean, he's supposed to be a younger character. I think he's just kind of going through like a whole, a lot of puberty and just like trying to find his place and trying to find mm. his role and his path. But at the same time, but going off what you just said, Tori, about him, this is the first person, as far as we know, this is the first person he's killed. But then again, in the first episode, and I'm worried for him, but in the first episode, his, his brother Raul literally shoots like five cops and just goes to the hospital and comes home and is apparently fine. So I think it's like a time thing. Like, you know, there aren't body cams. There isn't security footage. There isn't so much tech to like get him. So I think, I'm hoping, because I love Mateo, I'm hoping he's safe for now. But I just, it just seems like he's, he just seems like really mixed up and confused and doesn't know and he's there's this race war in his family and he just wants to do the right thing and i think he's just doesn't know how <laughs> but um you guys let we we're we're pressing time so let's uh tori let's jump into our special segment for this week yeah so i'm super excited for this special segment this week because actually molly said rose and thorns in the yes so I was like, wow, she watches the show, JK. Um, <laughs> but yes, it's time for our special segment, which is called our Rose and Thorn of the Week. And you just kind of share a positive, which would be your rose and a thorn, which is kind of like something negative or something that, you know, didn't really make you feel well this week. So if you, who wants to go first today? 
<laughs> I'll jump <Totally>. in. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'll start with my thorn. My thorn this week is, I mean, I don't want to point out because we're on camera, but I actually have a bit of a little eye thing going on. I have like a little sty or something. Don't look at it. Um, but it's, um, and it like, it, it's just like, it's not super bad, but it's just uncomfortable. And it's like every day I wake up and I'm just like, so I like, it just kind of puts me in a mood. I don't feel like myself. I don't feel as like energetic and like ready to like get my day started and do it. Even though it's literally just like a simple thing. Like I'm not ill. I don't have a fever. I'm not like a, I don't have this virus that, every, that we're all worried about. It's just like my eyeball makes me feel sad and uncomfortable, but it just affects my mood. But then my rose for this week is I, you know, like we're here, we're doing, I think I said this the first week, like. I have all these, I'm doing all these after shows that just keep me busy and I'm so thankful for it. Uh, my roommate's been out of town. She was at her family's house. She's here now. So it's kind of like I have, I was alone for a couple of weeks. So now I have somebody to, oops, did I disappear for a second? You turned off your video. <laughs> you, you hate it. We get it. Um, but I'm not alone anymore. I have some company. So that's, that's giving me a little more life. <laughs> that's great adam what are your rose and thorns of the week gosh uh you know what i'm working this really cool show i played it before on my show and i'll plug it here it's my rose it's called the present and it's with the geffen playhouse and this guy is helder guimaras he's this portuguese uh magician and it's a really cool it's done through zoom it's like a magic show that is digital interactive it's only 25 people per show they just extended this through august 16th the present it is so cool. It's just a great way to feel like connected to certain people or like just to see magic. It makes you feel like anything's possible again, which when you're running through the day to day of just like, what am I going to do now? And you feel kind of like, Ugh, like, it's just nice to have a little different thing. Uh, Thorn. Um, I'm not sure. I have a very, uh, <laughs> love. I have a very loving, uh, but aggressive, uh, cat who sometimes wakes me up uh in very passive aggressive ways to feed him in the morning and um he'll just <laughs> knock stuff off and scare the crap out of me and then I'll jump out of bed and he's just he's managed to scamper across the room and he's just sitting there perfectly with his tail tucked around his legs and he just kind of has this inner monologue look at me like well I, I I don't know what just happened that's so weird oh but you're up now so since you're up maybe you should feed me and I never thought I would be a cat person but I'm just noticing uh yeah I mean that's as thorny as it gets but you know I love him uh, he scares the crap out of me at 4 45 a.m so what can I, say? <laughs> I can imagine um I think mine last week really tried to like test me it really tried to count me out and I don't know why I was doing that and I just kind of wasn't like feeling my best but I do think that going into this week like I feel a lot better and I think I'm also going to have the opportunity to see my family soon so that's it you know like as close as I can but um so I'm super excited about that just because everything that's been going on, I haven't seen much of anyone. Like I'm sure the rest of us have. So I'm really excited <laughs> about that. Um, but yeah, that closes out our segment of Roses and Thorns. If you guys want to leave in the comments some roses or even some thorns that you guys have experienced in this week, throughout quarantine, throughout this year, throughout your life, mm -hmm. we're happy to read them. We're happy to interact with you guys. So please drop those below and we'll be, be sure to read them. <laughs> By the way, real quick, can I just say Michael Gladys pay, uh, playing Councilman Townsend, who had the who hooked up with the Nazi? 
Yes. And told him that he wanted to be bottom. And I, I know like, cause Michael Gladys to me is such a great dramatic actor, but ironically, because he's so good at playing serious, there are a lot of moments that are comical, like in the show, which I know it's not, like it, it, he's so funny when he's just like in the back of the car and the Nazis driving. I'm just like, I, oh my I, God. I, 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 let, I let them blow me. And I, I don't even, you know, I don't have time for women. They, they just blow me. I don't, it was so funny that he's like, just like trying to make peace with this Nazi who he thinks is going to kill him and just says like, they just blow me. I don't do anything. Like, you know, they're gay. I'm not gay. It's just so, it's so funny. I don't know why, but it's those moments. Like it's a very serious show and there's very serious moments. Obviously we've discussed them, but sometimes Councilman Townsend, he's like my favorite part. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. He's no, that's definitely a funny character. He's just like a, he's basically like a puppet. But in the times where he's not being a puppet, he, puppet, you can just tell he just doesn't know what to say in this situation, which does make it funny because everybody's thinking for him. So when he does have to think for himself, it just doesn't formulate into sentences at all. Oh, so <laughs> good. But no, that, that I'm glad you brought it up because that was a hysterical moment where it's like he's basically pleading for his life, but it's just like, dude. And then it leads to this whole thing where he... And where it's like, what's, oh my gosh, what is his name? The um, the actual Nazi. I wrote it down. My notes are so terrible. Um, and then they're filming it. So it's like, they're giving, they're like, and it's very valid. They're like protecting him, but also blackmailing him to keep him that. Now on they have their... footage. So no matter what, he's always going to have to work for them. Oh, yeah. And it was just so, it's just that, you mentioned to us before that his his story arc is just so dramatic and we're only in episode four right correct yes like yes like you said tori like this is what's already happened there's so much more i don't even i mean which we'll go in now we'll go i don't know what to expect what i was gonna say but we'll go into predictions like what do you guys think is coming up uh, Adam, um, or Tori, you are. I was just gonna say that I definitely want to see like how Molly is connected to this murder. Um, it was so weird because I definitely had her painted as like, okay, maybe she is, you know, just the face of the church and she has nothing to do with the dirty business and she is trying to, I guess, live this pure lifestyle. I mean, she had a bodyguard that's supposed to protect her virtue, apparently, but he must take a lot of days off because she was having a whole <laughs> affair. Um, so that was just kind of like surprising, just seeing her switch between like, oh, like my life is so hard. I just want a day off from being perfect to don't make me feel bad that I had an affair and now he's missing. And I was like, wait, first of all, you invited Tiago on a date. He did not invite you on a date. So you can't be mad at him because now he has feelings and doesn't know that you had this side to you when you didn't like reveal this until now. So I definitely want to see like if she's connected. I think she knows something. I'm not sure if she killed them, but I think she definitely knows something. And so seeing that character slip, I something more is going to happen there around this like, secret house that nobody knew about um of course with this show like predictions pretty much are all over the place but that's the only one that I feel like I can stand behind <laughs> oh yeah how about you Adam I don't even know Cody I don't even know where to go from here I feel like uh Townsend's gonna do a lot more uh Elsa and Dr. Kraft are gonna get kinkier Mateo's going to probably kill some more people. Tiago's going to try and solve the case while getting closer to Molly. I have a feeling she's going to die. Um, 
I don't know. Now that Riley's gone, who's going to be the new bad racist white cop? I don't know. There's so many. And uh, I don't know. That's about it. I, I hope we get to meet Meyer Lansky down the line. That'd be pretty cool mm -hmm. to see like who they might get to play him. But uh, mm -hmm. I think that's where I'm going to, yeah, uh, that's where I'm going to leave it. Yeah, um, I'm on board with all of that for both of you. I think, again, I'm sticking, I'm expecting Kraft's wife to come in and like really stir the pot and not be just a mm -hmm. silent whiskey drinker in the corner. Um, oh, she's oh, going to she, She's going to kill herself. You know that. Kill herself? Oh, yeah. She's got, yeah. She's going to jump off the roof. She's going to do something dramatic. Mark my word. Um, there's something, yeah, there's something good. That, that is a proclamation. All right, all right. <laughs> you don't bring um, someone like Piper Parabo for a smaller role unless she's going to have a crazy suicide. That's going to be cool. This is true. Right? She's going to make a statement for sure. Um, Molly, like you said, like you said, Tori, she's got, there's more to her. She's like the figurehead of this crazy cult. So something's going to happen there. Erm. Um, one thing you kind of brought it up for a second, Adam, was the was Frank, the little the creepy boy. He told oh, that yes. ghost story about that girl. Oh my god, like, yes. With the with the wires and the eyes open. It was the creepiest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. So good. I just feel like whenever he talks, it's like either foreshadowing or there's mm -hmm. something he's not just there to be creepy. Like I feel like the words he says are relevant to something that is a, a, in like the bigger picture, not so specific. And then uh, I think Detective Lewis is smart, but we're seeing that he's actually kind of a dirty cop, even though he's being dirty for the greater good. So we'll see where all of this goes. And then we didn't really talk about Siago, but I feel like he's, we're going to see what happens with him, Molly. But then his brother Raul, who was brought back from the dead apparently, Every time he only has like one scene, so I think he's gonna come in at some point and make a big deal. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how it all goes. <laughs> I concur. But uh, where? So you guys, thank you so much. But where can we find you outside of this panel, Miss Tori? Yes, you guys can find me on Instagram at Toxic Model or on Twitter at Tori with two E's, and definitely click around the AfterBuzz website and just find some of the articles that I have written because I really appreciate if you guys write them. Or click around the YouTube and find the show that tickles your fancy because we've probably covered it already. So you know, find some more entertainment. <laughs> yes, seriously. Now about you, Adam. Hey guys, uh, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, horribly Hollywood single. Just filmed a new episode today gonna be up uh really funny with the uh, director james kicklater absolutely hysterical you're gonna love his bad date story uh horribly hollywood single and if you guys ever want to share your own bad dates uh horribly hollywood single at gmail.com i'm adam carr would love to chat <laughs> perfect and then i'm cody you can find me on instagram at cody f c-o-d-y-y-e-p-p Thank you all for listening. Thank you for watching. We appreciate you. You give us a reason to be here and doing this. So thank you again. And we'll be back next week at the same time to discuss episode five. So thanks, y'all. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.